What's happening, guys? Welcome to the JBS Training Group podcast. My name is Mark Smith. I am your host. I own and operate JBS Training Group, which is a firearms training company that travels the nation teaching guys what I know about shooting fast and accurate. Hope you enjoy this episode. If you'd like to know more about JBS Training Group or where you can get in on a class, you can visit www.jbstraininggroup.com. Enjoy the show. All right, y'all. On this episode, coming to you with Bill Blowers from Tap Rack Tactical. For those of you who may not know, uh, JBS Training Group has always been all about performance shooting. That is, maximum points and minimum time. Uh, but what a lot of people don't realize or maybe they don't think about is that that, that that all comes from a defensive foundational idea, right? So uh, I started competing. I started trying to do cool stuff with, with handguns and, and long guns because I was becoming a family man and I was going to stick a gun in my pants because I take my responsibility as the protector of this family pretty seriously and carrying a gun uh, was no longer an option. It was going to be a, uh, an obligation and in the name of not doing anything that I suck at, I don't really like to live life like that, I decided I needed to get better uh, and along the way I found my buddy Bill and I, I really like Bill. Uh, Bill's approach to shooting, especially as a copper, is very different than what, what we see a lot uh, a lot of times. Bill is a very good friend of mine. He is a longtime SWAT man, uh, SWAT team guy up around the city of Seattle, Washington, uh, in that surrounding area. He's also a very real dude. Like he's, there's nothing fake about Bill. There's nothing very shallow about Bill. Everything is super deep, and everything is like, hey man, what can we glean off of you know the fastest guys in the world that applies to the defensive use of force in a in a lethal encounter and and i always thought that was kind of cool that, that he talked like that uh you don't you don't meet many tactical guys that are um very interested in the competitive side of the house and, and what they might could take from it uh so I, I really like his take on things and so i wanted to talk to him about a couple things uh mainly in this episode what we're talking about is normal dudes and what they may want to consider before shoving a gun in their pants. And one of the things that Bill said during uh, our little chat was uh, very profound. And I've, I've never heard him actually say this, or if I have, I don't recall it. He said, the weight of carrying a gun is, the, the, the weight of the gun is heavy. And I'm not just talking about the physical weight. And that's that's a profound statement if you actually take it seriously. So, you know, real quick, man, I, I want to hit you with kind of what I give guys in class about understanding the willingness that you have when you when you shove a gun in that in in that holster um there has to be a willingness there that most people don't really think about so are you willing to end human life if you have to because that's 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 a big deal you know i think the easiest way to kind of wrap your mind around stuff like this is to uh, define a mission right and i i kind of stole this from varg freeborn and if you hadn't read varg's book uh violence of mind it's uh it's a very interesting read into uh kind of how you need to understand your your limitations, how you need to understand what you're willing to do and when you're willing to do it. And he talks about defining a mission. So uh, when we define a mission, everybody you know kind of goes to a very easy place. Uh, like a good mission would be, uh, or, or most people would say, um, I want to make it home safe to my family every day. That's a that's a solid statement, solid mission, right? Uh, but what are the parameters that define the success of that mission? So if you stop by the gas station or Walmart or whatever on the way home today and walking outside you see a little old lady over there trying to get in her car and she starts getting mugged by two or three dudes and you you know you you could stop it but uh, 
you know, defining success as I want to make it home safe to my family. Well, helping the little old lady is not a part of the defined parameters that create success of that mission. You don't have to save her. You ever thought of that? You could just leave. You're under no legal obligation to intervene in a third party incident like that, unless of course you are, um, if you're a cop or, or what, for whatever reason. Um, but then the question becomes, can you? Uh, can you just walk away from that little old lady or will turn on the news tomorrow morning and finding out a little old lady was beat to death on the side of a Walmart parking lot uh, and you could have done something about it, but you didn't. Will that bother you forever? Um, will that keep you up at night? And if the answer is yes, then you might want to redefine that mission. And defining the mission is so important because it, it kind of makes it easy uh, when it comes to what should I do. Um, so, you know, when, when we when we talk about safeties and triggers in class, um, you know, talking about rifle, for instance, uh, the, when, when should my safety be on, Mark? Well, pretty easy, man. Uh, your safety should be on until you have the intention to fire the gun. So if you ever wonder about when your safety should be on, all you got to do is ask yourself, do I have the intention to fire the gun right now? And if the answer is no, then yeah, you need your safety on, right? So same kind of thing with mission parameters here. Um, does this fall within the category of the specified mission statement? And if the answer is yes, cool, you know what to do. If the answer is no, also cool, you know what to do. Um, let's say that you can't walk away from the little lady. You might want to revisit that mission statement, kind of revamp it a little bit. And I think one of the um, easiest ways that I've ever come up with to kind of state what's in my heart is uh, my mission statement sounds something like this. I intend to fight evil at every opportunity. And I don't say that lightly. Uh, I say that having weighed the risks of such a statement. I say that uh, having weighed the risks of failing at such an act. Um, and so let's talk about the risks uh, real quick because nobody really thinks about that either. Uh, what are the risks associated with saving the little old lady? Well, everybody always goes straight to dying. Well, cool, man. Um, yes, you could die. But to me, dying is almost like the easy part because like it doesn't really matter after that. And you know, like you, you're, you're gone and you don't have to worry about any of this. Uh, my fear lies primarily in living through failure. So what else could happen? Well, you risk great bodily injury and now you get to live the rest of your life as you know a quadriplegic uh, with your your kid or your kids uh, feeding you through a tube for the next 50 years and frankly there's worse things than dying right um, I don't think I'd like to to do that uh, what's next well you could through not understanding not knowing your own capability you could hurt the person that you intend to help and now you've killed the little old lady and you're the black sheep of the community. Nobody sits beside you at church anymore. The family's got civil suits out against you. They've, uh, they've basically ostracized you in your community because you did something really dumb and you stole a lady's life that didn't deserve to be stolen. That's a risk. And then the final one, and this is of course the worst one uh, that I can think of, you could go to prison for the rest of your life for doing the right thing and I want you to understand there are men in jail today because they did the right thing not because they were wrong um, that's just the current culture we live in and the way it's kind of kind of headed you, you could absolutely go to prison for doing the right thing and now another man keeps your side of the bed warm at your house and raises your babies while you're stuck in a cage with the people you hate the most forever
And after weighing all those risks, if you're still willing to go help the little old lady, awesome, man. Go help her. But if you've never thought about stuff like that, I would implore you to uh, kind of just roll those thoughts around and find where's your where's your line, man? Um, where's your line and what does it look like, right? And you need to start kind of weighing the context of that uh, versus the risk versus the reward and, and understanding your capability and all these kind of things. And that just kind of talks into what Bill's talking about when he's talking about the weight of the gun is heavy. Um, be serious about it, man. There's there's plenty of people out there that are uh, shoving guns in their pants and pretending like they're magic talismans that keep bad guys away. And hopefully uh, everybody listening to this show is uh, aware that that is not true. So um, that's, that's what I got, man, uh, on that. So we're going to go ahead and get into uh, Bill Blower's podcast here, man. As always, check the website for classes near you and get your hoodie or hat or something like that. Uh, I sure appreciate that. If you're not a subscriber, sign up as a subscriber on the uh, website, and uh, you can get updates, drills, insights, and all that kind of stuff that's only available to subscribers, cool little discount codes, and all that kind of jazz, www.jbstraininggroup.com. All right, now, here we go with Bill Blowers of Tap Rack Tactical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Bill Blowers, like you said, I... Uh... Retired cop out of Washington State, was a cop for uh, about 25 and a half years. Uh, 22 of that I was assigned to uh, our SWAT team, held other assignments as well. Uh, prior to that, I was in the Army for six years. Uh, <clears throat> and so the, the Army was kind of the intro to, to training and then implementing what you've been taught and, and trying to do stuff, uh, you know, on the, on the tactical fighting man side of the house. Um, and I just, uh, I really love training right from the get-go, man. Um, enjoyed all that. And then got out, became a cop. Uh, same thing. I'm, you know, going to the police academy, trying to learn how to be a copper and, and do some stuff. And so, very quickly, uh, I wanted to be better uh, with, with with the guns, and uh, and so I started looking how do I uh, make that happen. Uh, and so, I put in became a shooting coach for my agency, which is really just like a, a range safety officer. And then that allows you to then put in for the instructor for, uh, school. So I became a firearm instructor pretty early in. I got on the team uh, in 1995, uh, started teaching uh, or doing some of the SWAT stuff, learning how to do that. And then I'm teaching the newer guys on the team how to do it. Washington State has a basic SWAT school um, that was run through the Criminal Justice Training Commission uh, and somewhere around six years into the SWAT assignment, seven years, uh, an opening for an instructor at that school popped up. I knew a bunch of those dudes already, obviously. Um, so I put in and started teaching at the basic SWAT school for the state. Um, you know, I was running the, uh, uh the pistol course there and, and then of course all the tactics and stuff. Uh, and I, I, it was just something I really enjoyed doing, man. I liked uh, seeing the light bulb come on and like a lot of instructors like us that are teaching firearms and shit, you know, you start getting feedback about, Hey man, that thing you taught me, you know, I think it saved my life or that thing you showed me, uh, you know, helped me save somebody's life or whatever. And those, uh, that validation of what you're teaching, uh, was obviously appealing, man. I, you know, really appreciated those type, type of comments and, and realized I was doing some good. So kind of stuck with it um started the first training company in 2003 me and a buddy uh did it together um, we only did about three years and then uh, his life changed and he moved on and and we disbanded that company i started tap rack in 2006 if i remember right um i initially just doing mainly stuff up in the pacific northwest I, I mean dudes knew me at that point from teaching at the at the state school for a long time um and then just kind of dovetailed out and, and now going all over in america and, and getting getting to meet good 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 dudes cops and good americans and uh and, and just trying to show them a little bit of what I've learned. So that's pretty much it. At the, uh, at the, the state Academy, did you teach just one specific thing or did you do a bunch of different stuff? 
Yeah, so it, it, Washington is uh, every state's a little bit different how they do it. Um, so there was the, the Washington State Tactical Officers Association is a standalone entity. It, it is a private nonprofit organization, and then dudes join up and, and uh, they help reduce the cost of training and they bring in training. Uh, they they do a bunch of stuff. And so the Criminal Justice Training Commission handles the basic police academy, some advanced training, and other crap. And and so the CJTC contracted Wastoa instructors to teach the basic SWAT school. So guys come into basic SWAT, uh, the, the, there's 50 guys in a class. And so you would get a, uh, I would be an attack officer for a group of those guys, usually 10. And during the course of the week, there were all of the instructors are obviously taking different chunks of different SWAT jobs and assignments and things that you might want to do teaching that in the classroom and then you go out for field exercises and at that point i would just take my 10 dudes and i would be showing them how to you know do cqb and then another class on breaching and then we take them out in the field and i would be showing them how to use a ram and you know it was all mechanical breaching at that class and stuff like that so i was the primary instructor for certain topics and then other guys were primary instructors but but all of us ended up being primaries when we went with our small teams to teach all the different aspects of being on a SWAT team is there a uh, is there a, a, a data collection or, or a documented um, thing anywhere that says Bill Blowers was on scene of a SWAT call out X amount of times? No, uh, not keeping records on that at all, man. Um, and so, the, the part of this is I got more experience and. In, in, because I got into the team leader role and I'm planning missions and doing stuff like that. Um, that opens up some stuff where uh, a team may have had an incident and now they're looking uh, for an expert witness to come in and talk about whether they did the thing correctly or not, or was there a procedure violation, some of that kind of stuff. And that includes uh, to be deemed an expert witness. You obviously have to prove to the court that you meet that criteria. So one of those would be uh, obviously experience on jobs. And so just based on number of missions per year that the team was doing, how long I'd been on the team, uh, the loose uh, number is uh, roughly 1,500 to 2,000 uh, total operations that I had over the course of my career. Super cool. Yeah. So the the first inquiry that uh, that I have for you is, man, I, I don't know nothing about shooting. I don't know nothing about guns, but I got me a, a new family and I take my responsibility as the protector of that family pretty serious. So I'm going to start carrying a gun defensively. What would you tell me that I might ought to know, consider, research, etc. before I do that or after I do that or during or whatever that that I, I might not find on the internet? Ain't no really ain't nobody on the internet really saying this. Um like like what are what are some things that you think more people need to consider before they just start shoving a gun in their pants and, and thinking it's a magic talisman that keeps bad guys away kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um I mean, that's a, that, that's a big question, right? First of all, there ain't much that isn't on the internet these days. So I think if you're, if you just go looking, you'll probably find some stuff. Um, I, I know that, you know, just for the average fella, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of guys out there that have been talking about and doing um, exactly that, you know, Hey, my, my, I want to get my first gun kind of thing. And it, I'm mainly concerned about the safety of my family. And so I, I, having not been to all of those dudes training, but the fact that they're popular may be an indication that you might want to go um, hear what they have to say, right? Um, so I, I think the first thing, man, is uh, maybe that isn't much out there, and that is the mindset and, and, and you know, what, what the weight of that gun, and I don't mean the physical weight of it, uh, but the, the day you decide to arm yourself and take it serious, uh, and you're going to be carrying that thing around out in the public, or are you just going to keep it in the house? I mean, what, what is the role? What is the mission? What are you going to do with the thing? 
Um, as you know, it's a slippery slope, right? You, you, hey, I just want it in the house. I just want something on the nightstand type of thing. Um, and, and so for that dude, what he might find is once he starts shooting, hey, I really like this. A lot of fun. It's challenging. You know, I, I want to get better at it. And then all of a sudden he wants to carry it all the time because he's feeling more comfortable with the gun in his hand. And then that, of course, leads him down the road of, well, yeah, I'm going to try this competition stuff because I'm hearing the stress of competition and stuff is good for me, um, you know, you know, to, to simulate something. Uh, I get to measure myself against other dudes that may be in the same category as me. Um, and so it just ends up dovetailing around. But the, I mean, the very first thing I would say, man, is, is do some research, right? Don't don't necessarily go to the gun store um, and, and buy the thing that you read about the most on the Internet uh, because it may not be the, the, the right gun for you. So I would be researching, uh, you know, exactly what it is uh, that you want to do in that regard. I would spend a bunch of time looking at what your state law is and when can you actually use the thing legally because it doesn't do you any good to pull it out and make a mistake and then go to jail, right? You defend your family, but you, but they lose you because you're, you're, you're now in prison because you used it in the wrong context. Um, and really, man, I think that that is the biggest one that I see most often for guys. I mean, they'll, they'll go get some basic gun training and, you know, they can know how to load and unload it and, and, and hit something reasonably, um, you know, small at a reasonable distance. And But then you start talking about, well, you know, when can you use it? What are the circumstances? What's the scenario? Uh, and you force them to start talking about, you know, when do you imagine yourself using this thing? Uh, and initially, it's, you know, the, the purple gorilla with a belt fed is trying to kill me and my family. Well, that's an obvious one, right? So let's give you some scenarios where it would be legally justified, but maybe something you didn't think about. Because I want you to start thinking about the weird stuff, uh, and then maybe some ones that are a little bit dicey. There, there is no gray area in deadly force. You either can or you can't. But sometimes the scenarios with the lack of of training in that area uh, will, will make a guy think there's that that's a gray area thing, or they're not sure. And I, you need to be sure, right? So if you're going to pull the gun out and go to work with it, uh, punch out and go to work um, type of thing, uh, you, you need to be positive that you're going to come that, out of that unscathed, both physically and, and on the legal side. So a, a lot of that stuff. Now, I, I know up in my region, I'm assuming everywhere, if you go to the local range and it's, you know, my, my first handgun class or handgun 101 or whatever, they'll touch on that stuff. They'll touch on concealed carry law. How do you get a concealed weapon permit? They obviously are going to let you shoot a little bit, but but all of that's just a primer, right? It's like the, your your initial indoctrination into it. And I think that you need to go a little bit deeper on the legal side so that you you truly understand what the law is saying versus interpretation. And uh, you know, I'm here, I'm doing a team leader class this week, and, and that's one of the things I talk about today during the case law portion is it, you will get snippets from a case, but recognize that that is my interpretation of the case, and my opinion is also laced within that. But does that is that what it really fucking means? You know, you know what I mean? And so I think you got to dig into that. Um, I do see, you know, the regular Joes, uh, you and I have taught together. We, we get quite a few dudes that, that are coming to class or, you know, just good Americans and, and got a little bit of time, a little bit of money uh, to invest in shooting better. And I always tell them, you know, have you done any force on force classes? Uh, and almost resoundingly, the answer is no. Uh, you know, so I, I, there is value in getting that type of training, scenario based training with marking cartridge. Because it puts you in a position where you're going to use the gun, right? And so if the dude running that type of class has the background to evaluate what you did when it was appropriate, then there's huge value in that because I might be able to say, hey, man, you could have started shooting five seconds prior to this. What? Why did you wait? Right. Um, and I want guys to recognize that either I should have the background to be able to say, uh, hey, man, legally, here are some cases and what you just did may, may give you a whole a real bad day in court um, and be able to explain why that is the case. Right. What changed during this confrontation where maybe a minute ago you could have and now you can't. 
uh, you know, all those types of things, man. It's just, it's hard to find that force on force training for the regular guy. Um, but I think that that is huge. Obviously you got to go, you know, get the basics of, of ha- managing and, and handling a, a firearm range etiquette, range safety, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but, but to me that most people recognize that, right. It's pretty rare that you see somebody, I'm going to just go buy me a gun. And then, you know, they somehow they get it loaded up safely and then they just stick it on the nightstand and don't do nothing with it. They, they typically will try to do something. I do think bad training uh, creates um, maybe a hesitancy to want to go back, right? So if the instructor is belittling you because you can't hit what he's hitting or, you know, he's a lightning fast guy and obviously you're going to be slower than him while you're trying to figure things out, uh, that could put a bad taste in somebody's mouth. But they just don't want to go back because they're feeling embarrassed or, or you know, that they, they don't have yeah, – they can't compete with the instructor. So I think making sure that you're at the right spot at the right moment in your shooting career is another thing. Right. I mean, you just bought your first handgun and then you run off to the, you know, USPSA champion of the universe's class. You you are going to be swamped. You, there's no way you can keep up in that class. So while he's doing some really neat stuff, you're not ready for it, man. And I think sometimes you got to check the ego and just make sure that you are hitting a class that is appropriate for your current skill level. I get messages all the time about how do I know if I'm ready? Like, how do I know if I'm ready for class? You know, and, and while that is a valid uh concern i think that people take that too far oftentimes right and they they approach a class as if it's a competition and they and they always think i'm gonna be the worst one i'm gonna be the worst one i shouldn't go you know and it's and it's like man that's that's not at all what's going on here right like everybody's here because they aren't where they want to be so that's that's neat is there anything that you would tell tell that man to be careful of Be, be be careful uh, watch out for this and make sure you don't get sucked into this or, or, or so on and so forth. Uh, man, the biggest uh, you know, a, a thing uh, for sure is um, you, you bought the gun, but did you buy it, the, the supporting equipment that goes with it? Um, uh, you know, and, and so holsters matter, uh, as you well know, right? If you're going to carry it around all the time, um, if you're going to carry a spare magazine, that magazine pouch matters. Uh, if you have kids in the house, um, even if they're very little right now, at some point they won't be and kids are curious. Uh, and they're going to find that gun at some point. So do, are you doing the stuff you need to do to make sure that the kids are staying safe with the firearm present in the house? And and what habits are you forming so that it's ready if you need it, the bump in the night crap, uh, but also uh, training yourself so that every morning when you wake up, that thing is getting put somewhere or on you so that they can't access to it or can't have access to it. And, and then, I mean, what, what, what a tragedy, right? You, you bought the gun to protect your family and yourself, and then they end up acquiring it in some way, shape or form and, and shoot themselves or shoot a sibling and that, you know, uh, you, there's a lot of consideration, man. Again, the, the weight of the gun is more than the physical weight. It's the responsibility that goes along with having it around people that may or may not be interested in training, right? If your wife don't give two hoots about it, it's still there for her to pick up and potentially create a problem for you. Uh, if she does something silly with it. And, and I don't mean that, uh, you know, like she's going to intentionally, I'm going to let me go, you know, spin this thing around and do some cowboy tricks, but just moving it for you, she may not even understand what the heck is going on with that sucker. Um, and, and so there's, uh, those are considerations that I'd be like, man, be careful of that. If you're talking about training specifically, um, you know, I, again, I would just tell people it's, it's a step-by-step thing. And like you, I've gotten those emails too, man. Hey, you know, should I come to this class yet? And I'll kind of give them some basic prep. Hey, if you can do these things, if you understand range etiquette and the, and the, the firearm safety rules, then you're going to be fine, man. The, the class is structured. So, you know, all skill levels will be challenged. It's up to you to challenge yourself in this thing. Um, but yeah, man, I, yeah, yeah, almost all the time, if people are like, I, I just got the gun, I'm not real sure. I always ask me, have you been to any kind of a basic handgun course? No, not at all. I'm, I'm just getting into it. Well, my suggestion would be, 
Go to your local range. They got good instructors there already. They're already running that program on a consistent basis and at least get that base level of training before you start signing up for the national level instructor guy um, that's traveling around and his program might be a little bit more stringent than what you're ready for. How do I know if I go to, <clears throat> if I, if I go to, you know, insert whatever class, how do I know that what the dude is telling me is actually truth? Like, like how do, how do I kind of work through that, that issue of like, well, I don't, I don't necessarily want to throw my brain in the trash, but I also understand that this man may potentially know more than me. So I, you know, like how, how do you balance that? Man, so I, I don't believe that there's anybody out there. Well, I shouldn't say I, nobody. There, there are very few dudes out there that are really trying to sell you junk when it when it comes to this, right? Um, and so I think that most dudes, regardless of where they're at in their career, you know, if they're aspiring to be a nationally ranked instructor or national recognition as an instructor, whatever the case might be, you got to start somewhere. And so. I think going out and, and hitting that first program, just the guy is trying to, he's, he's telling you, I think what he believes in his heart and trying to, to give you the information, but recognize that I, there's a lot of people telling you what's in their heart and they're still wrong, right? Or there could be a, a better way, a, a more efficient way, some other way to get the job done. Uh, you, you know, you already entered me and you were friends and, and have been for some time now. Um, and I call you all the time for plumbing advice, right? That's right. I, I'll be goddamn if I didn't just hook up a sink. Right. And so, okay, so I got good information. If I went to teach somebody how to hook up a sink right now, there are probably things that I would miss along the way because I don't have the same experience as you in your prior career. Right. And so you look at instructors like that. Maybe they don't have the shooting experience to fully relay what is happening with the gun, with the sights, with this. They also may not have enough instructor experience and have developed the ability to, to relay that to you orally does that make sense i mean with with with, with their words and yeah so there's two things to consider here number one is the guy's uh sophistication overall with firearms it, it probably isn't horrible but it may not be as sophisticated as he will be in say 10 years of continuing to train right more experience is going to make him better uh, with with gun knowledge as a whole the second thing is you have to start teaching at some point, right? You don't, this isn't like there's a school where you go to instructor school uh, and stay there for 10 years, you know, and become like a tenured professor to get some, get your skills on. You have to start teaching. And then as you teach, your POI is going to change, adjust, adapt. And so the dude that you're currently in front of, he, he may not be quite where somebody else is. It's not that he's lying to you or that, you know, the information is poor or any of that stuff. It's just the best he can do at this moment in time. And so I would be looking to balance that against other dudes because opinions are always, you know, one guy's thoughts on something, man. And so, I mean, you, we have experienced this, you know, where you have said shit now, man, nobody said nothing like that to me before. Let me try that thing real quick. And, and being skeptical, I think like, there ain't no damn way. And I tried the thing. I'm like, I'll be damned. This is working. You know what I mean? Um, no one, in some cases, uh, you know, stuff you have said, and no one has ever said it to me that I remember or I just didn't hear them say it. Does that make sense? They might've said it, but it didn't resonate the same way that you said it. So that's another thing is the way that we all talk and try to relay the exact same message, which is shoot stuff as accurately and as fast as you possibly can. The way I try to put that information out, maybe slightly different than your, the way you do it. The guy don't hear me, but the way that you set up the words you chose, the analogy you're using, the example you're providing, the, the drill you have devised to illustrate this thing, 
might help that guy see that next bit. And, and so I think everybody's trying to do a good job with it, man. Um, it's just whether or not you, you've gotten there or not yet. Is it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of times too, man, that there's, there's absolutely very high level performers that either cannot relate to you how they do what they do, or they don't even know how they do what they do. Right. Like they, they, they don't know how they just do it. Like they just, I, I just do it. You know, uh, like I, I've got, I've got a good buddy, man, that, uh, you know, every time I ask him something, he's like, I, 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 I dry fire, you know? And it's like, what, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think he truly understands what he's doing. And so if you don't truly understand what you're doing, how in the world are you going to tell me what right. I ought to do? You know, I don't, that don't mean you suck at shooting, right? That just means maybe you just shouldn't be teaching right. people. How you to suck shoot. at instructing at this point. You get the skills, but you ain't got the instructor skills. And I, I think those are the two things. Right. Sometimes, man, I look at dudes want to jump into into this shit, and you know, I want to be a firearms instructor and do all this stuff. Uh, and and they, and maybe it's just the current culture, right, with the instant gratification of everything. Um, you know, they just assume that they're going to automatically be good to hook. Um, and I think it just takes time, man. It takes time to develop all of this stuff. I do think there are some naturals, uh, as far as instructing goes, guys that are just their brain works different, and so they're able to to pass on info. But then the time is, or do they shoot well enough? to, to complement that side of the house, right? Both of those things take time for some people you, you, to get good with the gun, good enough that you can actually be demonstrating what it is you're trying to, to show, to tell people and then good enough talking about it so that the, the, the information is received by the, by the person that is, that is hearing it. Yeah, for sure. I, I would absolutely rather have a, a, a B class shooter. That's a grandmaster instructor than a grandmaster shooter. That's yeah, B class. Yeah, that's, that's a great one right there, man. I mean, I, I remember when I went through farms instructor school, right? I got my, got my little sheet of paper. Hooray for me. I'm a farms instructor uh, and went back to the agency. And all I was doing was parroting everything I heard. Right. I, I'm literally just repeating shit. Like I'm like, I'm a minor bird. Uh, and it, it, it took a while for me to start to get my own opinions, my own thoughts, my own ideas, the way I was saying stuff. Uh, and that was a direct result of being in front of students or asking me questions or whatever the shit. And I got no explanation, right? So you either go find the answer, uh, wherever, but it, it just, it, it all takes time, man. And it, 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 I mean, I was 16 years and I, I've been teaching for a while and doing stuff at the local level with the state SWAT school and all that kind of crap. Um, but I was about 16 years in there and I remember having a conversation with my wife and, you know, she's like, what are you going to do when you retire? And, you know, doing that 10 year planning and all that kind of crap. And I said, I, I think I'd, I'd like to try to do some, some instructing on a bigger level. And she's like, well, why don't you start right now? And I remember telling her, I don't have enough experience yet. And I think that is a component that's missing in some cases where too soon dudes try to jump in into this realm um, and they, they just don't have everything necessary to, to be at that level yet, man. So that, that's not an admonition. Like I said, you got to go teach to get better at teaching. You got to go shoot to get better at shooting. Um, but just recognize, I guess, where you're at and don't expect things to happen overnight, man, because they, 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 that rarely happens in any line of work. So why would it happen in, as a fire instructor? Sure. So <clears throat> what about, uh, so I got this new gun. I've been doing some training and whatnot, and I'm getting kind of, I'm looking around the internet, and I'm seeing all this trendy stuff that's going on. These these sub one second draw to first shots, uh, these these sub two second build drills, uh, you know, all this, all the, these kind of like coin and patch and, 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 and you know, standards that, that make me feel accomplished and whatnot. So like, what, what about the trendy stuff? So the, the other day, uh, jumped on, jumped on Facebook and I saw where a, a particular group that I'm in 
had posted that uh, if you're going to give out advice, be prepared to be challenged with um, you, you need to have like a fast coin or you need to be able to do the fast drill. Uh, you need to have documented evidence of your sub two second bill drill, you know, like all these little two second, three second little drills and whatnot. And, and my thoughts immediately were so like, so if you can do a sub two second bill drill, does that mean you can do no wrong? Like you, you, you can say anything now, like what, what does that mean? And so like, what, what do you think that fellow ought to be careful with about um, the trendy stuff? Like, I, so I can do a sub two second build drill into, into an alpha at, at seven yards, but it, it took me 47 times to, to get that two second run. And so now I'm now an authority in groups that are, that are centered around information. Um, like what, what, so I'm just interested in your thoughts on what I just said. Yeah, man. It, first of all, all of those things, Let's not diminish them. That takes a level of skill to be doing some sure. of the, the, those drills that you're talking about, right? Um, but but it's so the a there's a prioritization thing um, that I think needs to be uh, looked at, right? Um, and you mentioned the bill drill. It is a great drill. It's a fantastic drill. It's been around for a long time. Does a lot of stuff. It is a measure of skill. Uh, and but I hate that drill. And it's not because I can't do a sub two second bill drill. Uh, I've spent a lot of time trying to make that be a consistent thing for me for a long time. The thing I hate about it is it is exactly what you're saying. It has become the thing. Does that make sense? And it's not, it's a thing. It's not the thing. Um, does it, you know, is it super cool to watch a guy get after it in, in under two seconds? And particularly if he's well under two seconds, that, that's some astonishing stuff. Um, but, but does it truly measure you as a, as a competent shooter? Uh, and then really what does it mean right in the big spectrum of things and i guess if if the if your objective is best build drill man in the universe then it means a lot right that's the drill you should be shooting all of the time if that's the only measure um for you for what you're going to do with, with, with a pistol if like most of us that we we got a gun to defend ourselves and our families and then we went on the on on the journey right um, where man, this is good. I'm getting better. I want to let me let me see what I can do, and maybe I want to shoot some competition. I'm gonna go to these these other classes that challenge me, and have some pretty stiff standards to them. Um, I think sometimes, man, you you got to be careful with some of the drills that are out there, and and make that be the thing because uh, it's potentially wasting a whole bunch of resources, meaning bullets. Uh, maybe wasting a bunch of your time, or you could be getting better at other things um, with with the driving thing being I, I want to shoot a two second or sub two second build drill and maybe you could have been being a more balanced and well-rounded shooter in a whole lot of stuff versus that one thing um i i, I talk to swat dudes a lot about um you, you are not a specialist you're a decathlete right so there's a whole lot of stuff you need to do and do well not just shoot stuff um and, and so i i think you there is there's nothing again I, i'm not you know I'm not diminishing any of those drills or any of that stuff. And I felt like I can get after that's cool as shit. Um, and I certainly like watching guys shoot like that, right? That could, that can tear it the hell up. It, it, for me, that's always, I'm always like, God dang, that was a good one. You know what I mean? If I see a guy really tear some shit up, but I am not interested in chasing that. I, I want to be a balanced shooter. That's good at a whole bunch of stuff versus the one trick pony, um, on a specific drill. And we have talked about this before, uh, you know, you and I teaching together, we already know as soon as the weekend comes in with pistol, forget about it, man. Right. There's a whole lot of dudes that are running sub twos and they can't shoot left-handed or weak-handed at all. I mean, it's horrible, right? They, they can't control the gun. They're missing everything. And, and that is an indication that maybe they're spending too much time on one specific thing 
right? Or, or one concept or one component, I guess, of shooting, uh, which is freestyle all the time on the gun so that they can go super blazing fast. No matter who you are, Mark Smith, you're a grandmaster, right? USPSA GM, um, but you're, the driving point of that was to defend your family from harm. Agreed? And so if you can't look at that and say, well, maybe weekend shooting is a, a critical skill to me because I might get injured and be down to one hand, still in the fight, but hurt, um, it, well, then I think you're screwing up, man. I, I think you should be trying to be as well-rounded as you possibly can, can in a lot of stuff. And once you get to that point where you're pretty goddamn well-rounded, then, then maybe you can chase some of the fads or some of the, you know, neato stuff that's coming out uh, and things like that. Sure. I, I totally agree with that. Uh I, I talked with a, a good buddy of mine uh, the other day, <clears throat> and we were talking about how people approach shooting and whatnot. And I think you'd be interested in this. I, I hadn't spoken with you about this since, since I talked to him, but he said, man, the problem with most people is that everybody wants to be a drag car, right? Like they, they want to be a drag car. They want to see the green light, go, 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 you know? And he said, what, what I wish people would do is that, that they would approach it more like I want to be a Formula One car. Like I want to be able to do all the things and and do the lefts and the rights and the straights and the sweeping turns and, and everything really, really good. But I'm not necessarily the world champ at the one thing. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I, th I thought, man, that's a, that's a pretty dang good analogy. Yeah. Like, to, to, to describe kind of the direction a lot of guys head. I think uh, the other thing too, you man, is uh, in the class and you heard me you know talk about this before. As I started to, to get more, I guess, well-known and start going around the country and, and, and teaching uh, all over this great nation and doing stuff. One of the things was, you know, what, what are your class standards? And, you know, I would get that question about what, what's your standards? Um, and, and dudes would want to just go practice a series of standards. So uh, I don't do that. Uh, I have a whole bunch of different uh, pistol drills that we're using, of course, to check individual skill development and, you know, whether or not you're good to go. And then each class, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm randomly drawing them. I, I don't have a fixed set of drills. It's going to be different every single time you come to the class. And my point with, with that, what I'm hoping guys are seeing with that is a, if you're a well-rounded shooter versus the one-trick pony, then, then you should be able to pass any damn drill, no matter what I throw at you, right? But, I mean, I, I, I have yet to hand out, you know, one of my fucking patches for pistol, and it's not that the drills are hard. I mean, you have shot them. They're not exceptionally difficult. They're not certainly not anything Instagram-worthy as far as, woo-wee, he put the blaze on that thing type of deal. And I've had all kinds of dudes come through class, and, and I still have not had anybody uh, be successful and, and pass all four of the drills it requires. I've had guys come close. Um, so I think that's an indication of something, right? It's an indication of something. Yeah, yeah. So based off of all of that, how do I know if I'm good enough, and how do I know when I'm good enough? I want to carry a gun in my pants. I want to, I want to be safe. I want to be a responsible gun handler. I want to be able to deal with problems, you know, so on and so forth. Is there a measure of a man where you can say, man, you're, you're, you're living life in a pretty good place here so very very tough question to answer uh, and and there, there's several reasons for that so thing number one is my current place in life you take me out of the, the the training realm right i'm just now just me kind of a thing um and, and retired right so i retired i'm a bill birdhouse that must have been the case i'm gonna shoot a gun does that make sense my current station in life um i can afford a pretty good quantity of ammunition and the fact that I'm retired from a job gives me a lot of time to go get better at the thing. You with me on that? But now go back in time. Hell, now at this point, 35 plus years ago, I think when my first son was born, we are a single income family and I am an E4 in the Army. 
time it was limited because I have a full-time job going to work for the Armory every damn day. And I'm also broke as hell because I'm an E4 with a single, trying to support a family. So I don't have much time and I sure as hell don't have enough money to go buy a bunch of bullets to get better at the training side of the house or with the gun side of the house. And so I think you have to measure what you have available for time and resources. And then whatever you have, you're going to try to be the best and most capable you can with that, with the time and resource you have. Now you got dry firing, you got some other things that can help you along the way that are free, right? Other than time. <clears throat> so I think the guy has to measure that stuff out, right? How much uh, capability you have, uh, you know, what, what is a, a range membership costing a fella? And, you know, all this other stuff has to be weighed out. So there's that. Um, the answer to the, the short answer to your question is, uh, you know, and I've said this for years, I want to be able to shoot a quarter at a million yards in less than one second from the draw. Can't do that yet. I got plenty of work left to do. Does that make sense? So I don't want to make this sound like it's complacency because I'm always trying to improve, always trying to get better at my current age. Some of it is just maintenance at this point. I'm done trying to improve because I, I just want to maintain what I have for a few more years. Um, so I, without sounding like I'm being a complacent guy, the last thing to measure here, and this is my experience, I have yet to see a bad guy who had any verifiable gun skills at all. They are vicious. They'll kill you in a heartbeat. They'll send bullets in your general direction without even thinking about it twice, but they ain't good at it. Does that make sense? So a lot of times they're either very, very close ranges uh, where, where you're getting shot by a dude and end up dying, but he, that's not skill. That's just point and pull the trigger or they got lucky and one of them bullets just happened to go in the right direction. Does that make sense? And so if the objective is I want to defend myself and my family, you really don't have to be that good to be able to defeat most bad guys because they're not good at all. Does that make sense? The, don't, I'm not, the mindset is there. They'll kill you in a heartbeat over a dollar. You know what I mean? They're vicious as hell, but they ain't good. And so a chunk of this is measuring that versus how much time and resources I have. Uh, and I would say that, it, you know, if, if you're doing things pretty damn good, then you're probably out shooting a whole lot of dudes that might try to cause you or your family some harm. Statistics are statistics, right? And so you don't want to look at that and go, well, you know, the three, three, three rule, three yards, three rounds, three seconds, bullshit, because I don't know what I'm going to end up in. I'm not going to train specifically for that one contingency. Like I said, I want to be as good as I can based on, on, on what I got going on. So there's some basic shit um, that I think you should be able to do, right? Um, and some of these I'm pulling off the top of my head, man, right? And so we're not testing them or, or any of that kind of stuff. I would say that at 25 yards, which would be a, a pretty long shot for most people defensively, but at 25 yards, if you can draw and fire five rounds in six set, six to seven seconds and keep them all in the C zone, that, that's shooting comparatively to most people on the planet. You with me on that? Um, I, I think that however you're carrying your gun outside the waistband, uh, appendix inside the waistband, whatever, I think that you should be able to, at seven yards, uh, draw and keep a shot in the A zone in less than three seconds, a single shot. That's better than most folks. Now, none of these are earth shattering. And some of the guys watching your podcast, uh, that are coming like, that's it. What the hell? I'm not saying that that's the end all man. I'm just saying that you're probably doing things better than most people at that point. And so, you know, some of these, the bill drill, right? We mentioned it earlier. I remember listening to an interview with Bill Wilson uh, when he developed the bill drill. And they were saying, hey, man, with our, our open guns and, you know, our, our open uh, holsters, uh, you know, on the ready and this and that, the other thing, sub two seconds is a pretty good indication of a level of skill. 
And then he followed up in that interview and he said, but with our, my carry gun, with a, a normal holster that I'd be carrying around to go to Walmart and shit, if I can do that in less than three seconds, that's really, really good. And if you think about it, it is, man. That's a, a sub three build drill from concealment out of your normal crap with a normal gun with duty ammunition or defensive ammunition in it. Uh, that's really, really good compared to what most people would be able to accomplish. And so sometimes I think the internet, and, and we're in the golden age, man. There's so much training available now, and so many guys are crushing compared to even, you know, ten years ago. That sometimes the internet traps you into believing that that is the skill level you must attain in order to be able to defensively carry a gun and, and be ready. And I think that, I mean, you're talking, those are super high level. How many GMs are on, in the world? There aren't, there aren't many. I, I, I don't know the exact number. I know that it's, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it, it's about not 5% of the population of the world, if that. Five, definitely 5% of the competitive population. So probably less than that of the, definitely less than that of the world population. Right. And so I, I think it's just being realistic, right? Um, one of the things I've been wanting to do with you is get us both some simulation guns and have us some old school gunfights and kind of just see how stuff goes, right? Um, and I'm, a lot of times I wonder, I mean, you clearly are a very, very skilled dude with a gun, um, you know, both on the accuracy, the speed side, everything. Uh, you know, I think that you are a very accomplished dude. But, but so, I wonder how some of those gunfights would go if we set up scenarios where you weren't shooter ready, stand by. Yeah. See, you know what I mean? And just kind of see how things yeah. play the fuck out because that's the other component that I think a lot of guys don't try to develop. And that is the appropriate mindset to, to, to be ready for it. You know what I mean? I will go into full blown character just so you know. <laughs> like, all right. Yeah. yeah. I'm in. I, I'm down. I, but I mean, you see. And I'm mentioning that because we see it with coppers a lot, right? Um, as you're in the training mode, you're like, dude, you're about to get punched in your mouth. And they don't even recognize that they're in a fight yet. Does that make sense? They're not seeing the body language stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, I have told, hey, man, get your gun out, right? And they're like, huh, we're already? I'm like, yeah, man, get, you know, you get ready to go. And so it's if you have a one-second draw, that's cool. But if it takes you eight seconds to respond, you're still a nine-second draw when it's for real, right? And so the mindset piece has to be worked on. Would you? Would it be safe to say in the in the fights that you've seen between good guy and bad guy, just r random regular Joe on the street and and bad guy, how much did aggression play into who won that? Like, is aggression a deciding factor? The bad guy is typically the more aggressive one and and wins, or or is it can it can it flip? Or like like what do you think? Like we're weighing skill here, but like what part of this you're talking about mindset? Like what part of this is like like there's absolutely in my opinion with fist fights back in the day, there's something to be said about a man that just lets 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 you hold all of it versus somebody that's just trying to just play the part. Yeah, yeah. So the the, the gun the gun fights that I have seen were with well-prepared men, you know what I mean? Um, so the, 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 where I'm watching a dude shoot mm -hmm. that motherfucker, I mean, they went in there with the mindset that this might happen and they've been preparing for this day for their entire professional career, right? I, that, that was not an aggressive thing, right? Um, it, it's always, it's been interesting to, hear, to listen to good dudes talk about that. Uh, and you know, and, and you're good. They go through a cycle, right? They hear the bump in the night. Well, everybody assumes that means you're gonna jump right up into your battle belt and your helmet and go out there and do work. But almost every single time, and this is with, you know, semi-competent men and, you know, dudes that ain't just sissies and stuff. 
but they sit there in the bed and they go, was that really the bump? What, what was that? You know, what was that thing? You know what I mean? It's not like instantly, oh, good Lord, there's an attacker and they're up with a pistol in the hand. Yeah. So that that crap goes on and then, then I hear it again and, oh, I'm going to go ahead and get the pistol ready to go. And then, you know, there's like an indecision beside the bed. Do I go out there? Or do I stay in here? What do I do? And, you know, all that kind of stuff goes through. And I think that's the mindset piece, right? It, it, the, the, you mentioned the magic talisman. I think sometimes guys just think having it is sufficient, but that is not sufficient, man. It is the the not just the ability to use it, but the capability of using it on the mental side and, and recognizing where you're at. Uh, you know, it's I, I, it's one of them things, right, where um, people at the bus stop that get assaulted and get their cell phone stolen, right? You enter talking to those folks. What happened? We came up, you know, he got real close to me and he was, you know, can I get that and this and that? And he, you know, I, I kind of felt like something was about to happen. What did you do? Well, nothing. I didn't want to be rude. You know what I mean? They don't even recognize the fight began the moment he closed that distance, right? The one meter rule. He got within the one meter. You are in a fight. No punch has been thrown yet, but it's about to happen. So do something now, man. Don't wait to get punched in the mouth and then try to respond to it. And I think the same uh, would go. It, it is aggression, right? What you're talking about is be prepared for your stuff. And even just backing away and you're putting your dukes, hey, man, don't walk up on me kind of thing has deterred a lot of stuff just because you ain't an easy target no more. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, I have uh, I have watched men get shot in in the shoot house because they would not violate the social cultural norm of stepping on the bed with your boots on. Like yeah. they 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 would walk around and expose themselves to a dirty angle when they the, the best way was obviously stand on the bed, but they wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Right. And I think there's a lot of this that goes into like like you said. Well, I just didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to be weird. I didn't want to be this and that. You know, and, and so like I wonder how many people like are are potentially dead today because they just didn't want to be weird. You know, yep. they didn't want to be awkward or, or, yep. or what have you. Um, yep. So yeah, that, that's interesting. All right. So we're going to close it out. I'm going I'm to I'm say a, I'm going to say a phrase and I want to know what you think about that phrase. All right. You ready? You ready? Yep. yep. All right. Cops suck at shooting. <laughs> Go. Uh, so I, I have heard that before, of course. Right. Um, and my, I believe my measured response to this after having thought about it, um, and then there's context, right? It depends who is talking. So within the gun community, right? Guys that like shooting, enjoy shooting, the shooting's the hobby, shooting is the sport, shooting is this and that. That statement is absolutely true. Cops suck with guns, right? Comparatively to, to really, really competent people that are doing this all of the fucking time. However, if we take that context and go, well, are, we, are we talking about the population of America, 330 million people in America, a million of them are cops? My answer is most cops outshoot most people because most people don't shoot at all. That makes sense. And so every cop has had at a minimum of some uh, 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 firearms, you know, a handgun based training in the academy. They, they understand range safety rules, they understand range etiquette. By and large, they can safely draw it. They can generally hit a target. They're passing some type of standard or qualification course, which may be very easy, but the average person who has never shot a gun or has very little experience shooting a gun would not be able to pass that standard. Does that make sense? Now, within the gun community, I say, hey, man, here's a qualification course from this police agency. And most dudes in the groups that me and you, you know, frequent on Facebook, be like, that's it. That's all you got. That's all the thing. For you, ma'am, because you, this is the thing for you, right? This is the hobby. And so I, I think most cops outshoot most people. Does that mean there's not room for a whole lot of improvement? The answer is hell no. There is plenty of room for improvement, right? And in some cases, agencies are stuck 
in archaic ways of training and archaic ways of doing things. They don't push performance. They just want you to pass a crawl and you're done. Uh, there's cops to, in a lot of places in America that the only rounds they shoot are, are qualification rounds every year. And that's it, right? So they don't get any training unless they're going to seek it out for themselves. Uh, and so in some cases, the agency has failed them. Uh, and some, you've got to be like, well, you're a professional with a gun. You should be going on your own and this and that. I am a policeman. The gun is one aspect of the job, right? And so the guy that you're shitting on who can't shoot worth a damn, all of his additional training might be in finding clues to capture the rapist who raped your daughter. Do you want a guy that shoots good or do you want a guy that can follow a, a trail of clues to apprehend the dude that raped your daughter? Does that make sense? And so you're clowning him for not shooting good, but he might be very, very good at other things within the job. He might be just a slovenly piece of shit across the board and everything, right? He's just holding a job with a badge associated. He might suck at everything. And so I think sometimes the gun is the visible thing of the job of police officer. So there is an automatic association from gun guys that you should be really good with that gun versus adequate with the gun and really good at some other shit that is the bigger priority in your job. Does that make sense? And there's a whole lot of things that a cop does that ain't just shooting guns good. So I guess that would be my answer. Yeah. Yeah. Swap man. From and and if, you, if you're a dude, if you, I think if you're bitching about the cops not shooting good, um, the last time the, the, the bond came through for, for police budget up, up, update, did, did you support it or did you not? And if you voted no, fuck them cops. They don't need additional money type of thing. Well, you may have just screwed a guy out of an additional 100 rounds over the course of that, you know, 500 man department, 100 rounds per officer extra per year is a pretty substantial amount of money. You with me? Yeah. And now they can't afford it. So now you ain't getting that training because we don't got the money to give it to you. Everything that's a, it's a full time job, right? It's, it, it, it's a 40 hour a week to job to run the street and, and go out there and work a beat. And so the time is the is that part, not necessarily training in all things martial and all things tactical. So that's what I got on that. I, I think like swap man, uh, I, I absolutely expect as a tax paying citizen for him to be a better shooter than the desk officer at the local PD. I agree. You know what I mean? Like, yep. and so there's, you say there's different facets and different job performances where like, you know, back, back, back in the day, man, I'm thinking back, you know, um, running, running the, the, the plumbing company back in the day. Like I, I had a guy that operated machinery and that was all he did. He didn't know dick all about running pipe. But he knew how to dig a ditch on one eighth grade for as long as you wanted it to go. You know what I mean? That's some guns. Hey, that rascal used to. T we could tape a. We could tape a duct tape a spoon to the end of one of them claws, and he could dig an egg out of a pile of sand and pick that egg up and move it. You know, like that. That's the man for the job. You know, yeah. and, and like when you when you when you need eggs dug out of sand with spoons, you need to call him, <laughs> not me. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I, I don't know. How to do that. Just run that thing over. There's the, there's cracked egg. You know. Um, and so yeah, I, I, and I think. Man, just just like you know, I, I keep referencing plumbing because it's it's what I know the most from from my previous life. And the, like everybody always got the little running joke: all you need to know to be a plumber is you know, crap runs downhill, hot's on the left, cold's on the right. And it's like, dude, you are you are so lost, man. There's like, okay, you know, yep. and, it, and it's, it's the same kind of thing with police. And everybody everybody knows that like you would never go to tell a professional how to do their job absent any experience in the job yet with police. And we're so quick to do that, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's, it's weird to me. It's very strange. Yeah. Uh, now some things are objectively wrong and objectively right. Right. And, and they're clear, right. Um, like you, 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 you shouldn't take a group of dudes uh, on the job on the clock and go beat some dude to death for, for humping your old lady. Right. Like, probably shouldn't do that that's objectively not a thing that you should do right but that 
But at the same time, like we can't take that and say, oh, y'all see this? All police are bad. I told you. You know what I mean? Like they, it, it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous and it's, it's deflating and, and disheartening that people are so shallow, so surface level with that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's human nature, man. I, here's the other thing, man. So if I, uh, if I show, if I, I'm going I'm to give you two videos to post, okay? Mm-hmm. Video number one is some random cop somewhere in America, uh, and he is out on a training day. Uh, and I, I, it won't be a training day. He's just working the beat, got the, the body cam on, uh, this and that, the other thing, right? Uh, he he g- jumps out on a call. He encounters a bad guy that needs a good shooting, right? Legally, morally, ethically, it's all good to go. Everybody would agree, yep, shoot that some gun. And he pulls his pistol out, lickety-split, and runs five rounds into this dude's chest and then one right in the eyeball, right? I mean, fast as hell, right? If there was a shot timer saying, you'd be like, good Lord, looking at that time. That's video one. I want you to post that video. And then I want to give you video number two. And that is a fat cop who rolls up on the scene, trips, getting out the car, rolling around. Good Lord, I can't stand up. Jerks the piss out, sends bullets all over the damn place. Doesn't hit a damn thing. Which of those two videos is going to get more clicks and looks? It's probably going to be the fat cop. Yeah, so why? Because it's like, it's like God mighty, look at this. Look yeah. at this. This is ridiculous. Look yeah, at this right yeah, here. Yeah. It, give, it gives somebody something to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a thing to point your finger at, and I'm better than that type of thing, right? And so that, the, the, the age of video on the phones and with cameras all over the place and this and that, we're getting a lot of the, uh, video, but the ones that go viral um, are, are, the, are typically the ones that are fucked up. And there's always some good ones, right, that go viral as well. Um, my dude up here in Tacoma, that that, that busted cabin homeboy at 183 yards, that one was going around. Uh, the Seattle SWAT cop that's chasing that uh, hostage taker on foot, puts on the binders and put, delivers one to the head. I mean, th- those are all good ones that guys have seen, but you've probably seen way more fucked up cop videos than good ones, right? And so a lot of, and that starts to, unfortunately, that also starts to paint a picture in your head of what cops are, right? And that ain't necessarily true. That might be the worst cop ever, and everybody agrees, right? And he just got stuck in this in this situation, and he's trying to do the best he can. And unfortunately, because he didn't prepare for it, the best he can is really, really, really bad. So, it's interesting. Here's another video you never see, man. I went, I, I lifted eight fingerprints in one point two seconds. Dang! I didn't really do that, but you know what I'm saying. I don't even know if that's good or not. <laughs> yeah, that's that would be super good. Okay. Like unimaginably good, right? But no one gives a fuck about lifting no fingerprints. So that where's that video at? Right? Where's all the good cop work going on with finding clues? Where's the dog with the bone cop that got that little snippet of information and up on it over the course of three days of working shit, street informants and this and that to find the guy before and, and pinch him on his warrant or whatever the hell before he ever goes to jail. And and no one's interested in that shit. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of good police work going on, man. But we just don't see it because it's not interesting to look at. It's not entertaining. Yeah, that fat cop's funny. Super. Yeah, he's yep. he's super funny. All right, man. Well, that's what I got. Um, where can uh, where can people find you doing your thing? I got uh, the website www.tap-rack.com. Uh, it has the calendar on it. Scroll down, see all the classes coming up. That type of thing. I'm on Facebook as Bill Blowers. I'm on Facebook as Taprack Tactical. However, that account got hacked so I can see stuff, but I can't post nothing on it. I can post stuff, but I can't, it doesn't recognize me. Does that make sense? I can't, it's just weird, man. You can go do that. Right. Uh, and then on Instagram, Taprack Tactical, all one word. Um, and I generally will put up like next 90 days and, and tell you what the next 90 days worth of classes is. So you don't have to scroll through the whole damn calendar to the end of the year to figure out what you got going on. And you can also catch on occasion, uh, Bill's fabulous story time 
where he tells you <laughs> random stories about random stuff that may or may not be beneficial to you. Probably life. not beneficial. Well, well, whether they are or not, they will be entertaining regardless. <laughs> you, catch, you catch that out. All right, super cool, man. Well, appreciate that guy to be coming on. That's what I got. And uh, All right, we'll man, see thanks. you around. All right, guys, that's the show for the day. As always, if you'd like to know more, you can visit us at www.jbstraininggroup.com. If you'd like to get in on a class, you can check the roster and the schedule, which is always changing. If you'd like to host a class, you can hit me up at jbstraininggroup at gmail.com. I appreciate the heck out of you guys. Make sure you talk to Jesus today, and we'll see you on the range.